Hello, and welcome to an intro to Anthro with Two Humans. I'm human number one, John McRae. And I'm human number two, John Lear. And this is the podcast where we reassess what it means to be human. And the title of this episode is Wild Child in the City, The Perils of Being Feral. So, Wild <laughs> Child in the City. Oh shit, I just, I just got a copyright infringement. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, you'll have to like you'll have to go in later and take that out. But it's something uh in the public domain, you'll have to put it. <laughs> Why is he singing that? It'll be green sleeves or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh but anyway, John, today we're going to talk about feral children. This and is great. and historically, when you talk about feral children, uh you're talking about either children who grew up alone in the mm-hmm. wild. Like Tarzan, right. the most famous. <laughs> right, which we will talk about. Or you talk about child, uh, children that were raised by animals. Like, um, as well. um, uh, yeah, the Jungle Book. Mowgli. Uh, Mowgli. Mowgli. Well. Yes. Right. And... For most of our history, people have thought that these uh, feral children were somehow miraculous. Hmm. And nowadays we know that there were probably some physical or mental impairments involved in these cases. And most likely some form of severe neglect or extreme neglect. Yeah, you think so? I mean, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But for most of our history, people didn't really think about it that deeply. And in other words, you know, 500 years ago, 400 years ago, if you saw a kid wandering around out in the woods by themselves and if they didn't speak and they didn't want to be touched, uh, people would usually go, "Okay, this has got to be a feral child. This is a feral child. Wow. And then from there, it was just, you know, people started, well, how did they survive? How how did they get by out there on their own? And then from there, it was just a, a short jump to, well, they must have been raised by animals. Yes. That's the only way to explain it. Well, and and now we have hmm. that, uh, that that saying, you know, raised by wolves. You right. Raised by wolves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and then the next step was always like, we got to catch them. You know what I mean? You got to go out yeah. and catch them and bring them <laughs> back into civilization. Um. So, but before we begin, I was wondering if you and I could, we need to get like a little background on us. To yes. figure out where we are on that wild spectrum, yes, on that spectrum of wildness. Yes. And well, my by the brother way- and I were, we were <laughs> both of us uh, got into a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Real? Did you? I were mean, you wild? Yeah, I Out of control? I was. My yeah. brother was the one who got caught. But yeah, we uh, we we had a lot of latitude. Let's put it that way. <laughs> was it, was it uh, like verbally? Were you verbally wild, or would you just like wrestle a lot? What would you do? Yeah, we. I mean, we were ch- children of the seventies. You know, as I imagine you were. Where you know, no yeah. car seats. Uh, no, uh, we were latchkey kids. Meaning yeah. that our parents both work, so we would, you know, have lots of of time where we were unsupervised. Um, yeah, and then we had the, those were the days before fences, you know, where and and where you could just take your bike and go wherever you wanted, right? And and right. And, and so there was there was that uh, uh, that aspect of it too. 
And then you have things like fireworks. Like I tell my kids, like we used to have <laughs> bottle rocket fights, you know, yeah, or like yeah. Roman candle fights and shoot. And and my kids have not nowhere close to that. Now, granted, they live in Los Angeles, which is, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, we were shooting, I remember shooting Roman candles at my brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff like that, or playing with fire, or gasoline, or crazy things. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. dangerous things, ramps, and jumping our bikes off of ramps, or go karts at full speed down busy streets, <laughs> or uh, throwing water balloons at cars. I remember yeah. uh, in high school we would um, carefully open the garage door without making any noise. There was a way to do it. You had to have the touch. Yeah. And, and then we would carefully, we would put my mom's rabbit, she had a Volkswagen rabbit, put it in neutral and push it out <laughs> and, then, and then push it down the street and start it at the bottom yeah. of the street. You know, <laughs> my brother at 16 was uh, arrested. He rolled his Mustang. He bought a Mustang and he rolled it off the highway and uh, they found him an empty bottle of Jack Daniels and a 26 year old woman. <laughs> and your brothers, I'm sure David, I'm sure got into trouble. Right? Oh yeah. My, my brothers were, were wild as well. What was interesting is uh, with my brothers uh, and my siblings, because they were much older than me, uh, I was kind of socialized to be, to be older, to act. Uh -huh. older. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. Uh, and so I didn't really get in a lot of trouble, like normal trouble about like, John, calm down. You're going out of control or whatever, because I was trying to be like 10 years older than I actually right. was. You know? Right. E eventually, my actual age caught up with the age I was trying <laughs> and then overpassed it. So now I'm still being immature. But there was a time where I was like, uh, I was acting older than I actually was. I remember and then playing my, a drinking game with your bro I feel like your brothers were there at your house. Star Search? We were playing Star Search? <laughs> I don't know. I don't or, know. Anytime, anyway, anytime uh, Ed McMahon said Star or Champion, we had to drink. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Boy, you would get really drunk off a of champion. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, he was yeah. every other word out of his mouth yeah, was yeah. was a champion. New champion yeah. beats our a old new champion. champion. You had to chug your chug it. <laughs> it was the new champion you had to chug. I feel uh, like my brother. I don't know, but my brothers would. Uh, there was a time when they were like in their uh, early twenties, and I was still pretty young at that point, like in, you know, uh, nine or ten or something. And so they'd have to babysit me at that point, and uh, they would take me to the bars with them. Because that's yeah. where they, were, they weren't going to let that, you know, babysitting stop them from going to the bar. So and that's where uh, you became the foosball player <laughs> that you are. Yeah, pinball. I grew up playing like pool, pinball, all the bar games. But again, you can't you can't have a crazy kid in a bar. You know what I mean? So I would right. always try to be behaved in there. Um, nobody can beat you at foosball except maybe your brothers. My I brother, mean, are, my brothers. Yeah. yeah. You're a badass <laughs> foosball player. But uh, have have you ever been around uh, somebody who, for whatever reason, they, they're usually pretty reserved, but then you see them just like you take them out into a different context and then they just lose their mind. They go yeah, crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in recovery because, uh, you know, yeah. I've been sober. We've both been sober a long time, but I run in. I don't know if you ever run into this in the recovery world where you run into Mormons. 
Mormons, <laughs> no. Mormons go bad. The stories yeah. they have is like oh. insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. what it is about that culture, that subculture, but man, when they go out, whew. Yeah, yeah. Years ago, I, I worked with a, a, a Mormon who was in recovery, and when he'd fall off the way, it was horrible. We were on a grounds crew, and, and they'd always put me in the truck with him, because everybody knew, like, when he <laughs> fell off the wagon, he was coming back twice as hard, you know, like, oh. So we'd be driving around on the grounds crew, just listening to him, like, oh. Pour out Rand. his guts for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, but when they go bad, they go bad. Yeah. We had one where uh, a friend of ours in Santa Fe, a wealthy woman, older, uh, for some reason years ago, we decided to take her out, very reserved, decided to take her out to a, a haunted house attraction. You know, like at, at Halloween. Where you right, go. Right. So we took her down yeah. to Moriarty. Uh, New Mexico, and there's a bunch of people out there. It's a huge. I mean, it's just crazy. They got all kinds of haunted mazes and haunted houses, cool. and there's music. Yeah, it's really amazing. She went insane. She like lost her mind. She was like jumping around and singing and dancing and running around and touching people's face like strangers, like running up to strangers and touching their faces. <laughs> and, and, and Mary and I were both like, oh, oh my god. What is going on? Like it was just she. It was so framed to her, which it in one sense I something deep and pagan yeah. inside her. And she just, <laughs> yeah. Wow, we love. Really I mean, it, yeah, it was great to see it, but it was also, uh, you know, I thought I'm going to get in a fight. I'm going to get in a fight because yeah. she's going up to complete right. strangers and tickling their faces and stuff, yeah, and people were just like people's faces. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was very you strange. Even, you don't even touch your lover's face until you, you, know, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you guys even, know each other. You have to have years of wearing gloves with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People don't like their Tongue faces being touched. That was the hardest part about being the Geico caveman is that you had I had people touching my face Ooh. for hours and hours, you know, just was Ooh. like, God, Ooh. stop it. Stop <laughs> my face. Uh, do you feel that your parents, did your parents give you guidance on how to behave in public or how to behave or did, did they mean, come right not, out of it? Not really. I mean, you know, uh, no, no. Manners were not important uh, to my mom. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, it, my mother, you know, was just, she was too tired. She was too exhausted. <laughs> yeah. My dad yeah. wasn't really in the picture. And my mom, I remember one time my brother and I at a grocery store, and I'm sure this is one of dozens, but this is just one that sticks in my head, where I we would put I would put my brother in the grocery cart and yeah. then push yeah. it as fast as possible <laughs> all over the place. I mean, really yeah. fast. Crashing yeah. into stuff. My poor, I remember the look on my mother's face, which was just heartbreaking, where she just looked yeah. at us and was just like, I, I want to be, you know, I, I wish you were never born. You know, <laughs> it was just like, how did, how did I get this hell, this prison? Did she try to, try to pretend like you weren't her kids? Like, every, like you ever did she did. She, would, she yeah, did. Yeah. She went on to another part. She just, she knew yeah. she couldn't control us. When we were fighting, she would just push us in the backyard and lock the door. <laughs> we were too big at that point, you know? Yeah, she would just yeah. do everything she could to get us out of the house, lock the door, and be like, "Figure it out." 
<laughs> I had, you know, my mom too was working all the time, working two jobs. Yeah. And so as I got older, uh, I didn't really have anybody because I did, my dad wasn't around. So I didn't have anybody. So I had to like create somebody in my mind to, <laughs> to tell me what to do, you know, <laughs> and uh, just to, like pull back the curtain. Maybe that maybe I shouldn't go there. But um, so again, like you were saying in the seventies, watching sitcoms, yeah. Or or like reruns. Who was the dad? And so in my mind, I created Ward Cleaver. Ward in yeah. my head. <laughs> What's like that? Amazing. And he would tell you when you were pushing things too far. Right. It was like oh. I had a little Ward Cleaver down in the you know living room of my my mind. Who <laughs> would yes. tell me what to do? You know? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so sweet. And, and, and so. Disturbing. Yeah, you it was disturbing. You were the beef. <laughs> well, I was <clears throat> hoping I was Wally, but yeah, I was probably more like the beef. But you know, Ward Cleaver, he gets you so far, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but then when you yeah. get older, it's it's like he doesn't know how to deal with like if your girlfriend thinks she's pregnant. Yes. <laughs> something, you know what yeah. I mean? It's That's what like, Ward, Ward's out yeah. of his out of his out of his league. <laughs> Well, Wally, when when I was in the Navy with the fellas, uh, we, uh, you know, he's trying to to come up with some solution for that. So after a while, uh, I had to go to like a real therapist. Yes, uh, and, and we talked about the Ward Cleaver in my. That's head. amazing. I you've never mentioned that to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, what you're the pre-therapy McRae and the post-therapy McRae is, is really amazing. You had to, you had what I can only call a spiritual experience. Uh, yeah, in therapy, it really helped you a lot. It seemed. Oh yeah, yeah. I love therapy, and I still I, I always you know when people say like, well, I went to therapy, and my therapist says I'm okay. Yeah, and I'm like, well. Do you feel okay? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I didn't want my therapist to tell me I was okay because I wasn't no. feeling okay. You know no. what I mean? I always wonder about people like that. Like they say no. I'm fine. I don't have to change anything. It's like, really? <laughs> okay. You can always work on something. Uh, but yeah, I, but I still know it when uh, it's still there. That Ward Cleaver is still sitting down there reading the paper in his sweater. You know what I mean? <laughs> Smoking his pipe. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and I know it's him talking to me. Every once in a while he'll talk. When I talk to myself in the second person, you know, like you should do this, you should yes. do this. It's like that's not I should be saying I should do that or I should right. do, you know, the, that's the your you. voice. Yes. Right. That's why right. the Quran is so powerful. Cause the Quran is written in the uh in the second person, or at least mm. the, um the translations mm. are in the second person. Yeah. And it's such a powerful you, yeah, you, you know, when it's like somebody's talking directly to you. Yeah, I wonder it's not a suggestion. Is- it's not a suggestion. It is telling you, giving you right. what you should do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember being up on stage in Chicago, and it was a terrible, terrible show. It was an improv show, and a guy <laughs> I was watching. He goes, "You suck," and I thought, you know, and I thought he was just talking to all of us. And then he locked eyes with me and pointed right at me and goes, "No, you, do. you suck." And I was like, "Oh Jesus, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> That's hilarious. He was—he was probably a, a writer for uh, <laughs> a writer for the uh, Sun Times or something. I don't know. He didn't look like a writer. He's a big, beefy Chicago sports <laughs> dude. How about your own kids? Are your own kids out of control, or how do they do? Or were they ever you know, out of control? I mean, yes, yes, they are. My daughter is like 
she is such a good kid. I mean, she's like, but my son was, was feral basically. And in yeah. fact, people called him Mowgli. Because uh, he, he like, the Lears have sort of a, yeah. a dark skin streak to us. It runs through like a an all, sort of olive skin, dark Irish, yeah. black Irish kind of. So he he had and and people would confuse him for um, uh, Latino uh, or Asian really? when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so he had this, and, but he also he never wore shoes. He didn't wear yeah. shoes until kindergarten. Wow. So, wow. And in LA, that's like crazyville. But you know what? I think it had a lot to do with how good of an athlete he is. Uh yeah. in a weird way. Cause he just he knows his body and he was always climbing on shit. He was always filthy. Boy, listen, <laughs> what kind of parent were you? But you know, he's turned into this amazing kid, you know, who's this yeah. Hard, yeah. this elite athlete and yeah. uh this amazing drummer, free thinker. So we're very, we were very progressive parents. <laughs> I always said my parenting style is when they would ask something, I would be like, no. And then they'd ask it again and I'd be all right. <laughs> just have to, you just have to get through the first one. Yeah. Just get through the I would gate. fold, I would fold yeah. just immediately. But Once you're in the door, you got it. it. You... <laughs> <laughs> but they've, they've, they've tur both turned out to be amazing kids. So just goes to show that parenting doesn't do anything. It's all hard. <laughs> Yeah. You can screw it up. You can definitely yeah. screw it up. But as long yeah. as you don't screw it up, they're going to be who they well, are. Well, that's the whole thing. I feel like, you know, you or like you with your kids or we all we definitely had humans around us to help guide us a little. Right. Bit. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Uh, but what if we didn't? What if we didn't have any any humans around us at all when we were like just being forming? You know what I mean? Just from like oh, our weird. first three years or four years. Um, and you know, that's kind of what we're talking about when examples of feral children and, and people have studied them and tried to understand them. And, and, and usually it's to try to integrate them back into human society to help them reclaim their humanness. Mm. And, and again, it's like, I don't even know what, if, if, if there is a, a abstract or objective type of humanness. But right. that was the always idea to try to bring them back into to being human. Civilization, usually um, in religion, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, a little bit religion of it. And, yeah. and education. Um, but the, the wild child or feral child or human child raised by animals is also a very popular character in myths and legends throughout history. Mm -hmm. uh, and Michael Newton in his book, Savage Girls and Wild Boys, A History of Feral Children, talks about a lot of those famous examples. For example, Moses. Moses mm. was left in the river. So he's yes. a Moses, feral child. <laughs> really? Wow. But he was discovered by a, um, but he was raised in the Pharaoh's temple, mm. right? He was discovered right. by, uh, I think it's the Pharaoh's sister. I, I can't pretty boy. pretty quickly he was found pretty yes. quickly I yeah. think so in in the movie it's just like it, right around the right around the corner or something like that <laughs> but he was at one point abandoned by his his parents. true true yeah uh, mm -hmm. there's also Semiramis who was the founder of Babylon uh, she legend says she was raised by birds Ooh. by doves or sometimes pigeons <laughs> sometimes wow. they say, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 
Don't birds eat their food, throw it up, and put it in your mouth? I, I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. that'd be, that that'd how Cineramas my... grew up? <laughs> that'd be my oh. luck of being raised by, like, suckled by pigeons. That sound There's this of all guy this I knew up. who went to uh, Italy, you know, and he, he did the yeah. pigeon thing where he went out on the, and put... But you know how some people will put like bread in their mouth and the pigeons will come up and oh. take it and stand on his head and all along his arms. <laughs> and uh, he got sick, sick as a dog. And he was kind of surprised by it. I'm like, what the fuck? You had pigeons all over you. You were disgusting. Of course you got sick. In your mouth. <laughs> your mouth. I'm like, do you lick, do you lick doorknobs too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but is there like a tour company taking people out there? To there's a, there's the, that square in, uh, in Rome where there's all these pigeons yeah. and people will, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, right. don't go near pigeons. They're disgusting. Uh, in Greek legend, uh, Paris, the son of Priam, the king of Troy, he was supposed to have been left on a mountaintop and nursed by a bear. Hmm. That one. Boy, what, and, what do you uh, do when the bear hibernates? <laughs> Suddenly you got nothing for six months. Yeah. Wake gotta, up. I'm hungry. <laughs> you better stock up. You got to stock yeah. up. At, at least a bear I could kind of see like would keep you warm in there. Like yes. a bear would be like a big rock. I mean, a, I don't know how much warmth you're getting off of a pigeon. You know no. what I mean? <laughs> a pigeon had to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, speaking of what, did you ever see that movie Grizzly Man? Did you see that movie about that guy? Well, the guy who was living with the bears and then was killed. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. Saw it. No, no, no. I never saw it. Hmm. It's. Uh, I read the book and also uh, saw the movie by Werner Herzog, and it's it's a. I really felt for the guy. He was had come out to L.A. wanting to be an actor, didn't work out like it does. Doesn't work out for you know ninety nine point nine percent of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, became a, an alcoholic and an addict. Got sober, and and then he got into going out and living with bears up in Alaska. So weird. How do yeah. you go from yeah. that to that? Where does that come? <laughs> from? I know. I know. Where do you wake up and go? You know what? I want to live with grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, like the most, one of the most dangerous planet. Should I live with grizzlies or sharks? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll go with grizzlies. You know how it is when you're when you're getting clean, though. <laughs> like, you're out of your mind. It actually makes total sense. You're absolutely right. That's what I mean. That's what I yeah. mean. It was like yeah. everybody was like, "Why would he do it?" It's like he was getting sober in L.A. Yeah. Of course, yeah. he went up and lived with grizzlies. Yeah, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> you I'm got a, 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 a nipple into, ring. And masturbation. I got a nipple ring and, and masturbation. That was how yeah. I got through it. And coffee. He, he went and lived with grizzlies. Yeah, tomato, uh, tomato. <laughs> and, and then there's probably the most famous legendary uh children that were raised by animals uh and that's romulus and remus yes. of rome and yes. you know they were two brothers uh in the 8th century bc in rome and they were supposed to have been raised by a she-wolf mm. at that time yeah and uh like in a lot of the legends of abandoned kids uh the story goes that they were grandsons of uh, of a king and they were the king was deposed and so they were like abandoned in the tiber river mm -hmm. left out to die 
and a she-wolf found them. And the other part of the story- Not a he-wolf, but a she-wolf. <laughs> a she-wolf, yeah. I don't know how much work a he-wolf would do for you. But, yeah, but we know um, the pronouns from the get-go on the wolf. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there, another part of the story is a woodpecker was also involved. A woodpecker what? would bring them wood to keep keep, uh, keep Why alive. Why would a woodpecker? A woodpecker doesn't bring wood. Woodpecker pokes in holes yeah. in wood to get the insects. Yeah. I don't know. It's he's part of the that, story as well. You that lost you me hear. with the woodpecker. I was with you with the <laughs> she wolf. Uh, eventually, they were found by a, a shepherd named Faustulus, and they grew up to lead a band of outlaws. And they overthrew the guy who had overthrown their grandfather, and then they they started to build the, the city of Rome. And then Romulus killed Remus in that mm-hmm. old story. Yeah, that's um, a great story. That is a great story. The, the bad part of that story is when once they got the uh, they they got the city of Rome together, they realized there were no women there. All those outlaws realized there were no women, so they went and kidnapped mm-hmm. a bunch of women from the Sabine tribe. What in Italy? Yes, yeah. and that's where and that's how they got the women to bring back to to Rome. But if you notice, it's they say kidnap or abduction. Uh, there's a lot of paintings from the uh, Renaissance that also talks about the rape of the Sabine women. So you get the yeah, idea that okay. maybe at that point it would have been okay to <laughs> leave the leave Romulus and Remus out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting is the the term lupa in Latin means both prostitute and she wolf. And when they told the story of the being suckled by a lupa, mm. uh, it could have been wolf or prostitute. Uh, mm. What was more like shocking to Romans was to be suckled by a she wolf rather than a prostitute. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's just something to think about. And there's a couple other points that Newton makes in his book. Uh, he says, and he's talking about the story of these children, these children being raised by animals. And he says, when the infant's lips close upon the she-wolf's teats, a transgressive mercy removes the harmful influence of a murderous culture. The moment is a second birth where death is expected, succor is given, and the children are miraculously born into the order of nature. Mm, yes. So again, that, I, yeah, that makes sense. That's part of the myth is the coming right, it, right. is what are we with all, without all of this artifice we've created? Right, right. And, and it's like by the animal accepting a human baby and raising it, Mm. It, again, it's like the said we love humans love second births. We love our yes. <laughs> second love, chance. You know, yeah, whatever. we do. And, and so the the animals, it's somehow that's the miracle. Somehow that's restoring the nature, the order mm. of things by having an animal raise a human being mm. um, and save them. And Newton says nature's mercy admonishes humanity's unnatural cruelty. Only a miracle of kindness can restore the imbalance created by human iniquity. And again, that's what we're talking about, <clears throat> is that <clears throat> the animal protecting us uh, is miraculous. And we've always seen it as miraculous. Yes. Uh, and, and anyway, that's how people have always seen feral children throughout history. And um, 
somehow by surviving on their own, or even better if they've been saved by animals, they abridge the wild and civilized sides of our nature, the beast and the human. And, uh, which is Tarzan. I'm just thinking Tarzan this whole time. Right. Right. And, and actually when I was reading that, I was thinking, if you look at it that way, then it becomes a psychological story. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, ego, subconscious, uh, conscious kind of being brought together somehow. Well, it's like, uh, you, you think of like (laughs) Iron John, uh, which was yeah. the, the book about that that launched the men's movement uh, in the uh, what seventies yeah. and eighties yeah. maybe, um, but the story of Iron John is is the classic story, which is you you know like Romulus and Remus, it's you you you're destined to become the king, but yeah. in order to become the king, you have to go through the ashes, go through the this transformative process. And a big part of the turning point is involves the wild man, the sage, the hermit, uh, you know, meeting, meeting with the, who's somebody who is more nature than, than humanity uh, lives in the mud or lives in the, 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 the rock or the tree. Uh, Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. That's yeah. very similar. If not exactly the same as this. And it's only um, through that, 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 that you become cleansed in order to then take your, 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 your rightful place. Right. Right. Um, just a quick story, uh, as an aside, we used to, when I worked for the Italian tourist board in Chicago, we had a plastic full-size replica of a she-wolf suckling two babies. <laughs> it was, it was, it, it was, it's a famous uh, statue, like uh, old statue from the ancient times uh, called the Capitoline Wolf. And it's a she-wolf and there's two little babies under, underneath it. Suckling. Right. Wow. Right. That's and, crazy. Uh, yeah. But ours was plastic. It wasn't bronze, but uh, oh, we wow. used to loan it out to people who were having Italian festivals or for, you know, if they were having parties. And so one time we had it, some guy came down to, he owned an Italian restaurant in Chicago. He came down to pick it up because he wanted to use it. And I remember he backed in his little pickup into the, the loading dock and we come walking out with this thing and he just looked at it. And it's it's just like the teats are there. And he's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, look at the teats on that thing. And, and he's like, <laughs> like nobody's going like, to eat my lasagna. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I, I got to drive across town with that thing, you know, and, and it's uh <laughs> And we're like, well, do you want us to take it back? He's like, no, I drove all the way down here. Go ahead and put it in the back. So we put it in the back of his truck and tie it down. And you see the she-wolf, like, nursing these two naked babies in the back of his truck. And and then he drives out. And we go running upstairs just dying laughing, uh, watching out of the 10-story window as he's going down Michigan Avenue. It's a great story. It's great imagery until you have to put it in the truck and drive down. Uh, I, know, I know. It was just like, he was just ashen when we brought it out. He was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look at the teats on that thing. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I just love that. There's a bestiality kind of uh, yeah, quality yeah. to it where you're just like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, but anyway, as humans, I think we're still even fascinated by feral children, uh, and you'll still find them in popular culture. Like you mentioned, oh. Mowgli. Mowgli. Uh, Mowgli. The, 
Uh, yeah. What about uh, Mad Max? Uh, the kid who oh, throws yeah. the yeah. yeah that weird feral kid who <laughs> yeah yeah. I, and then, of course, you get back to, you've already mentioned Tarzan, who's like probably the most famous feral child story yes. in, in the world at this point. Yes. Uh, and he was originally written by Edgar Rice Burroughs in 1914, Tarzan of the Apes. Uh, it's the story of John Clayton, who's an English lord, and his, his wife, Alice. And uh, he's taken a job down in Africa, and on the way, there's a mutiny on the ship. And the mutineers actually like him because he had like helped out one of the mutineers. So instead of killing the Claytons, they put them, they maroon them in Africa uh-huh. and they put all their things ashore with them at that point. Um, and anyway, so really John Clayton- marooning if you get your stuff too. <laughs> I, I don't know. Usually I yeah. always thought it was just like a, one pistol with one shot. You okay. know, and, and like- but still that's less of a maroon is when you're on your own. I think that's more of a drop off. Yeah, yeah. You know, and here's your luggage. Well, you're not really marooning somebody if they have clean yeah. underwear. <laughs> did you see, uh, did you like, uh, what was that one with Tom Hanks? Where oh, he was, yeah, uh, with the volleyball. Uh-uh. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a fan. I really? was exhausted was... by it. Yeah. That it was, was an incredible uh, performance. I was just so aware <laughs> of the acting the whole time. I was like, all right, all right, get your Oscar, but I, I need to see a lightsaber or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the only one out there. You gotta like forgive the guy for chewing up the scenery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was another one in uh, therapy. I mean, it came out a very big metaphor for for me. Yes, and uh, so I'll yeah. say that that'll be another thing. Okay, people, great. Pe- pe- people are gonna think I'm crazy at this point. <laughs> it's like well, you are, but in a fab, <laughs> you're fabulously insane. Ward Cleaver in a ball- volleyball. That's the only thing rattling around in my in my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, better so than they, your partner who's got nothing just air <laughs> here's what's so in wait, my wait. brain right now <laughs> you know just yeah, nothing just, just like air like, <laughs> a tone like it's like going by the uh a hose at the gas station to fill up your tires you just hear yeah. it running over there yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and here's something about the book. I mean, they, you know, the the Claytons, they're marooned there, and then they have a baby. You know, right. they have a baby when they're there. So it's right. like even, hey, I'm not going to stop having marooned, spoil my fun. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're still going to have a baby when we're here. Uh, and then that, you know, of course, she gets a fever, she dies, and then uh, he's killed by one of the chimps. And then the mm. baby is taken by a chimp who had just lost her baby and raised mm. raised as a chimp. Mm-hmm. So, and, and uh, yeah, and as we've discussed in a previous podcast, chimps are badass creatures. <laughs> I know, I know, They're super strong and <laughs> badass. Right, right. I uh, I was watching. Yeah, you know, I watched a couple of the Tarzans this week to get ready for this, and oh, after you did? having yeah. have done our you know, episode on chimps, it scared me to death to see yeah. like chimps around people. Cause I'm yeah, like, cause it could that just poor actor a- who, who was the most <laughs> famous one who played Tarzan forever. Uh, hmm. Forgot the name uh, of the actor, but anyway, Wise the one in the Johnny Wise, Johnny oh, yes, Wise. Yes. Yeah. God, he had to be around yeah. those chimps all the goddamn oh. time. And that was before <laughs> there were any safety measures. Come on, Johnny. 
Put it on your Come head. On. Come it's on. It's just a bite. It's we just a bite. We all want to go home. Put some uh, chicken broth on his arm so the chip will come over and lick him. You know? Yeah. It sounds awful. <laughs> they drag uh, a steak across the set out of frame so that the chimp will run off. Yeah. Or like you the know? lions. The lions, too, oh, are just like scared God. to death whenever oh. they show that. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, – what's interesting, I didn't know until I read the book this week, was uh, Tarzan was actually his name given by the chimps. I thought people what? would give it him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Back to chimps talking. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, in the in the book, uh, the chimps have their own sort of like chimp language, and they're the ones that give him the name Tarzan, which means white skin. Okay, so. now you lost me. There's no way chimps can can pronounce glottals. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. right, you want to tell me that a chimp can make this sound? Yeah. No. Yeah. I've never seen a chimp do that. Well, well, right into now you lost it. <laughs> the, the 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 fourth wall has fallen. Yeah, and well, uh, now I see right Tarzan in, for right into the fan side. If you don't think it's possible, I, I might. I'm going to post. Uh, the other thing, which you know, and even Tarzan himself teaches him. He goes and finds his dad's books in the book, and uh, he teaches himself how to write English. Oh boy! <laughs> so that's what okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think there's taken some, you know, some cognitive liberty there with, with what's happening. Oh my. The um, mutineers, there's, t- I mean, <laughs> this story just falls apart. The mutineers, yeah. first of all, mutineers aren't going to let you have your, your chest of books. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-mm. there. It seems like uh, the book, when you read it, a lot of the, the plot seems like a publisher saying to Edgar Rice mm-hmm. Burroughs, like, well, how Clean is that possible? Up. You need to justify that. You need to uh-huh. justify that. You need to justify oh. that. And he's just like, God damn it. He, there were some <laughs> books. There were some books. And he taught himself. Okay. Can we get on with it? Even the, the movie with Christopher Lambert, which came out in you know the early 80s. Uh, yes. They even tried to justify why he could suddenly speak so well with, uh, well, he's a natural mimic. They had to put a uh-huh. line in there that, that oh, Tarzan's boy. a natural mimic. Natural mimic. Boy, yeah. you know what though? I've been there. I've been in notes meetings with uh, <laughs> where they're like, "But why?" And you're just like, "I don't yeah. know. It's funny. Yeah. Just, <laughs> do we have to figure out why?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, you should do a, a Tarzan. You should do a Tarzan. A Tarzan. That's a good mashup. Yeah, that is. A I good couldn't. Do, we'd have to get. Everybody. I'm not playing him. We'd have to get a young, handsome dude. You don't want to see me uh, in a loincloth. That's for sure. What about that thing they did with uh, De Niro in the in the Irishman? They could try to make you look younger. Oh yeah, Put that's true. <laughs> Ooh, I'd love that. They could give me a screen capture. <laughs> yes. So I so I'm in a leotard with all the golf club with the ping pong balls glued to it. But meanwhile, on stage, I look like a hand. Yes, that's a genius idea. Let's do it. Everybody else in the cast is going to be wearing period costumes. It's <laughs> worth filming. I'm in a leotard <laughs> with ping pong balls. I'm a natural mimic. <laughs> uh, we'll have when we do the interviews for like entertainment tonight and stuff. They'll all be wearing like their their three piece suits, and you'll be wearing your <laughs> just sitting up on the chair yeah. with your uh, with yeah. my legs crossed with a ping pong ball stuck out of my crotch. 
<laughs> yes, every part of me had to be <laughs> tracked. This is one of the most challenging, one of the most challenging roles I've ever played. Oh, to go to the restroom, I'd have to take the entire thing off. <laughs> the human endurance that's responsible. I, I, Tarzan wishes that you were, he would have had it easier than I did making this movie. To save time, we if I, I can remove this ping pong ball and uh, unzip it. Uh, but anyway, in, in 1914, if you think about when this book came out, it was a lot of subtext in the book itself, such as Darwin's theory of evolution, which yes. was only a few decades old. Right. Uh, psychotherapy with like Sigmund Freud. You had like the mm. subconscious that were mm. was coming subtext in there too. Where does humanity live? Where is right. it? Uh-huh. Right. Love that. Love that. And then you had also politically, you had the colonization of Africa, which was often right. brutal. And, mm-hmm. and and then you also often. had, it, <clears throat> yeah, Always. usually, yeah. <laughs> so you had that subtext in the book as well. And then you had the idea of repressed sexuality in the Victorian era as well. When you bring right. in Jane Parker, the, the character of right. Jane in the park. right. Yeah. He's like, because so uh, he's all open and like, I, I like you. You're pretty. Yeah. He goes yeah. with his animal uh, right. instincts. Right. And and so there was, even though the book itself was kind of corny at times, mm-hmm. uh, if you put it in context of when it came out, there's like some mm-hmm. heavy duty stuff being dealt with in in the book itself of Tarzan. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and well, it's like, what's the what's the one with hmm. all the kids, Lord of the Fly, with the conch? Yeah, Is that Lord yeah. of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sim- similar, thing. yeah, same thing. Yeah. Uh, and Bram Witcherink, in his article "Tarzan: The Untamed Image of the Perfect Savage," he talks about how popular Tarzan is. How people just embrace Tarzan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been translated into fifty-six languages. More than 15 million copies sold. Ugh, uh, like a piece 80 of movies. That. <laughs> 80? 80? 80? 80 movies between wow. 1918 and 2008, which would be one. If you averaged it out, it would be one Tarzan movie a year for the last hey, 100 we're years. Due. Hey, yeah. McCray, we should yeah. bang out a Tarzan. <laughs> I don't get your it's time. on. Get yeah. Your on. I'll get my golf balls or my ping pong balls velcroed yeah. to my yeah. suit. And there were also radio shows, uh, television shows, yeah. animated cartoons, and then there's even a musical, a Tarzan musical by Phil Collins did the music for it. Phil Collins, <laughs> the drummer. Yeah, yeah, he, he did the music a musical for- of Tarzan. <laughs> yes. that, those were some yeah. lean times. Yeah, those are some lean times. It, it sounds a lot like I can feel it in the air tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of drumming. I, you know? Yeah. He's like, oh, I can just see Phil Collins in the meeting. Like, what? Yeah. yeah Phil, listen. <laughs> All right. All right. A lot of drumming. I'll, a lot of I'll drumming. Stretch it out. God. Stretch it yeah, out. I'm a yeah. drummer, so I can do that part. <laughs> uh, but Witchering says that Tarzan of the Apes clearly reflects the early 20th century zeitgeist and its inherent frustrations with the restrictions of modern life and the quest for civilization. Yes. So if you think about it, when it was coming out, remember we've talked about it before, people who with industrialization, people are being displaced and moving to cities. 
Yes. And in the, in the middle of all of this change, you have this story of a, a guy who doesn't know where he belongs. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. belong in the jungle. He doesn't belong mm. in, in, in the civilized world. He doesn't mm. know if he's animal. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that uh, Witcher Inc. talks about is with World War One, people were s- starting to like um, confront the savagery, like just pure savagery of warfare yeah. and of the war. Yeah. And uh, he said he says that the war World War One demonstrated that savage impulses could spring from a civilized man's heart under certain circumstances. Yeah, we're not all that. We're still right. we're still right back to Romulus and Remus. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And and the idea was, you know, here it is where if the prior age had been the age of reason, it seemed at that time when that book came out that the 20th century was the age of savagery, of mm-hmm. the age of of being an animal almost. Mm-hmm. And uh Witchering quotes Alan Barnard who who wrote that Tarzan came to symbolize at, at a certain point they tried to respond to that of like, you know, how do we deal with this savagery? Mm-hmm. And so Tarzan began to, the, the character of Tarzan began to, to evolve. And at one point, Alan Bernard says he became the most, he came to symbolize the most desired objects of Western culture, including power, youthful, youthfulness and rugged individualism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he became a superhero. Really? Right. Right. He is yeah. a superhero. Yeah, He's a superhero. He, he flies around on the the vines. He can talk to animals. Um, and by and the RJ- way, that's really hard. Those to do that with vines. <laughs> you really got to set those vines up in advance. Yeah. Because yeah. if you get all the swung the way out there and there's no vine, what do you do? You just yeah hang there. Just crawl down and then swim back to the shore and start over. Yeah, or walk. Just walk. (laughs) Just walk. (laughs) It's always funny when, uh, whenever you see those movies. I mean, when you describe it in the book or in a cartoon, it really looks like you're flying through there on the vine. You see an actor trying to do that in real life. It's it's pretty pretty tedious, you know. Right. Well, he's three feet off the ground first of all, because (laughs) you know. But then you can always tell that there's a platform built just out of the camera's angle that he stops at, and then the next vine is kind of hung there, ready for him. Yeah. Yeah. And then Wittering uh, quotes R.J. Rushduni, who's also an author, who said, uh, with his natural goodness and nobility, as well as his stance apart from civilization, Tarzan became a, a noble hero and a natural man. So mm. that's what we're, we're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. And, and again, you have Johnny Weissmuller. He, he's this noble Tarzan who fights Nazis and protects mm-hmm. the jungle. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you watch the TV show in the '60s with Ron Ely? Yes, yes, I yeah. saw some episodes. I mean, but like like we yeah. said at the beginning, we were both semi-feral, so the TV was all we had. We didn't yeah. we didn't have a bunch of we didn't have a she wolf or chimpanzees <laughs> to raise us. We had TV. We had Gilligan's Island. Yeah, uh, fortunately Leave it we had to Beaver. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Leave it to Beaver. Uh, remember Ron, Ron Ely's, his, his Tarzan's like very, he was on, on the TV show. He was almost just like a, uh, park ranger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a park ranger in, a in, a, in his underwear. Yeah. 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 
Uh, and then also, you know, there were movies that started to come out with again with Tarzan. They had always made movies. But remember in 1981, there was Tarzan of the Apes with Bo Derek and Michael Ooh. O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, do I remember that one. Yikes. Remember, and again, Tarzan could be whatever you wanted Tarzan. You could mold Tarzan to be whatever you wanted to be. Whatever you and, wanted, yeah. And and actually, Bo Derry's Tarzan is told from the, the you know point of view of Jane Parker. It's it's yes. like Tarzan, you get no backstory of Tarzan at all. Uh-uh. He just is. Yeah. He's just yeah. there. And it's a uh he doesn't say anything. It's just a section. It's almost a sexually awakening because as soon as she sees him, he's he's like a, a romance, like a guy you'd see on a romance novel. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, so is she. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That was, and the uh, weirdest thing. Yeah, go ahead. It's a terrible movie. Terrible. Yeah. But uh, steamy as hell. Yeah. And what's, what's weird about it, though, is at the very end of the movie, uh, you have just Jane without her shirt on, Tarzan, <laughs> and, a, and an orangutan in Africa. Why, why you would have an orangutan in Africa, I don't know. But you have them three. Screwed too. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It also was raised by the chimps. But you have them just uh, frolicking at the end of the movie. Like the three of mm-hmm. them, like she's decided to stay with Tarzan. And, and not wear a shirt. Tar- not wear a shirt and she mm-hmm. and Tarzan uh, wrestling with this orangutan. And I, maybe John Derrick thought that was the uh, metaphor for a woman's awakening. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't uh, know if John Derrick was thinking that clearly <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I don't think he was thinking you, about much. <laughs> there was a lot of then, blow going around on movie sets at that time. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange <laughs> movie. It's a very strange movie. Uh, and then in 83, you had Greystoke. Remember, this one tried to be a little more serious. Greystoke, yes. the legend of Tarzan, Lord yes. of the Apes. Yes. And uh, and that one tried to, again, tried to like show his backstory, the struggle between being an animal and being being human. Uh, Andy McDowell's first movie in that one. Oh, my God. She played Jane? Yeah. <clears throat> she played Jane, yeah. And uh, what was sad about that one is because of her accent, her southern accent, they had Glenn Close dub her dialogue. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was awful. Why couldn't she have a southern accent? What's wrong with that? I don't know. She was supposed to. She came from the colonies. Yeah. She was in the. She was supposed to have come from the colonies, or they set it up that she was from America. Well, what the hell? Give her. Yeah. Man. I don't know. <laughs> they should have pushed back on that note. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, then you get to uh, Rush Dooney says that Tarzan becomes a contemporary embodiment of Jean-Jacques Rousseau's myth of the noble savage. Mm. And here's where we're starting to get back down to it. Uh, is that Rousseau's noble savage, you know, Rousseau was a French philosopher in the 18th century. And he argued that before we had civilization, Original humans existed in a natural state in harmony with with nature. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was only once we had civilization that we, we became corrupted. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. in our natural state, I mean, obviously, we didn't think about much. <laughs> we didn't really need to think about much in the natural state. Um, well, this myth is like Carrie still lives, you know, very much at the forefront. You know, this idea yeah. that 
all of our technology, all of our civilization, we work, you know, you always hear this always pops up in a newsfeed of how, how many more yeah. hours we work now than we did right. back then. Right. Yeah. But yeah. back then we didn't have toilet paper. It was really yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, the time. It, it's, it's a romanticized view of what the world would have been like. Uh, before well, it's, yeah. It's like the, uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, the wild west. Oh, yeah. it was a horrid yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. more you study that period, the more you realize everybody was drunk because it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Just nasty. Just... <laughs> uh, but the thing is, why? I mean, why is this? How does this fit in with feral children? It's well, in the 1700s, they started finding a lot more feral children in, really? in Europe. Yeah. Huh. And. And it just, I mean, they'd always found feral children, but it's 1700s, it seems like maybe because of like communication was better or something, but it became more popular. People started hearing about feral children more. Mm. And what philosophers thought was these kids, these feral kids, they must be what Rousseau was talking about because they've been raised without civilization. They've been right. raised on their own or they've they right. been raised by animals. And so philosophers in the 1700s started to think we can use these kids to study what humans oh were like prior to civilization. That's a jump. Yeah, it is a jump. Uh, and also they, you know, even if they didn't say they, that they thought we can study them to see what the human mind is like before civilization was. Yeah. Or without or language, without yeah. language is so interesting. Because we yeah. think in language, you know, we, we, that's how we think. So how does it work? How does the brain work without language? Right, right. Because some people would say you need language at least to understand what you're, you're seeing or some, yeah, somehow. frame like, it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they thought that these feral children that were being found in the 1700s, they, they thought they could also look at them to see the pure human mind. Okay. Okay. Now there's problems with that. <laughs> There's problems with that thinking, you know, but this, this was the enlightenment. <laughs> this is right. the enlightenment. Right. So glass so half again, full. Right. And if you look at even Carl Linnaeus, who's the guy who gave us the two, two name classification system for animals yes. and plants. Uh, he actually classified wild or feral man as a separate species of human. Oh, Carl. Yeah. What? Yeah. And that so. Doesn't... No. So in his in his classification system that he came out with, Mary uh, Mary McNeil, Edward Polloway, and David Smith say that Linnaeus labeled them uh, Homo ferus or wild man to hmm. distinguish humans that had been raised apart from other men, or humans that had been raised by animals from humans that had been raised in society. Huh. So okay. So you have one of the preeminent naturalists of the time actually saying there's a separate species of humans called wild man, homo ferris. Uh, yeah. Um, mm -mm. I disagree. <laughs> I know there's problems with it. There's problems. <laughs> but, but Linnaeus, what he said, there were three things that distinct characteristics that's uh, set aside a, 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 a wild man, a true wild man. And one was that they were tetrapus, meaning that they uh, walked on all fours. They were mm. mutus, meaning that they didn't have language, mm -hmm. and they were hirsutus, meaning that they were hairy. Ooh, and, hairy? Yeah. yeah. It, and the thing is, usually what people 
looking back on it, like researchers will say like, yeah, most of the wild kids that were being found did walk on all fours or had trouble walking upright. Mm. And they also didn't have language, but they don't know where he came up with this idea of Harry, like Harry. how Harry came across. So you see, there's like some myth still being built yeah. into the science at the time as well. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and then what, Nancy Youssef in her article, Savage or Solitary, the Wild Child and Rousseau's Man of Nature, says that Linnaeus's classification of wild men represented a tantalizing and uncanny blurring of the conceptual line separating man and beast. Uh-huh. So again, Linnaeus, preeminent scholar at the time, has set it up to where we have like a half step in between humans and beasts, which would be wow. the Homo ferris. Wow. Yeah. So what were some of the most famous examples of wild children back in the 1700s? We'll talk about some of them. Uh, In the book, Feral Children and Clever Animals, Douglas Keith Handlin tells the story of Wild Peter. And Wild Peter was captured naked in the woods near the town of Hameln in Hanover, Germany in 1724. Wow. And he looked like he was about 12 years old. He sat on his haunches and walked on all fours. Uh, He didn't like cooked foods and would eat only raw vegetables and grass. Um, He would catch birds and eat them raw. He didn't like clothes. And uh, he couldn't speak at the time (sighs) as well. And again, when you hear that now, you're like, this has to be, this is like a cognitive disability or this Uh is a physical disability. But at the, the time, they were thinking that this is one of Rousseau's wildmen, or Linnaeus's yeah. wildmen. Yeah. Wow. And, and nobody really thought to, to like verify his backstory, and he couldn't speak to tell them what his backstory was. So people just started, it just from just legend or myth, people were saying, well, he must have been raised by bears, because how else could he have survived for this long? And... uh And to give you some other descriptions of Peter at the time, one of the writers said that in his first year of captivity, he ate enough food for two men. So he was hungry when he he had been out there for so long, he was hungry. Okay. Yeah. And then he said he relished a glass of brandy. He liked the fire, but showed all of his life the most perfect indifference for money. So again, it makes sense because if you're not brought up in that culture of knowing what money is, then obviously you would think, what's the point of money? You know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah. And it's like a cat. You know, the thing, the difference between a cat and a dog is a cat doesn't really need you. A cat yeah. can leave and go hunt and survive. Whereas a yeah. dog is kind of screwed. And and that, that's why cats are so amazing as pets. Cause they kind of, they're like, yeah, I'll hang out with you. <clears throat> right. Right. But I'm sure that is true for Peter too. Is like, why do I need money? I can always, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, why did you guys capture me? You know, yeah, I, mean, I can go get a bird and some grass. I'm fine. <laughs> Jesus. The other thing that shocked people at the time was, uh, and this is, they've a lot of the feral children reports I, I read mentioned this. They, he had a complete indifference to, to women or the other sex. Hmm. Like he had no interest in sex whatsoever, which and this is even as, as he become became an adult, as he became an adult. Yeah. They said he just uh. wasn't interested in it. Um, okay. Which again, kind of makes you, I mean, 
if that's a common thing of feral children, then I think they took some liberty. At least Bo Derek's <laughs> Jarvis yes. took some liberty with it. <laughs> that would have been a different movie, I think. Yes. It? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and and Candlin says that you know the philosophers at the time thought that Peter could a- a- advance our knowledge of what is innate and what is acquired through experience. So again, they thought that he was, uh, what were we born with? We could look at what Peter was born with and what he had acquired through, through culture at the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then also what happens is uh, it, it's, it's strange that Peter, he, the king of England was also the ruler of Hanover at the time. So Peter was sent to England to meet the king. Okay, so wow. this wild boy was sent to England to, to meet the king. Uh-huh. And, uh, and again, that's something I found where it seemed like rich people at the time were really fascinated by these wild children that were and yes. usually would be their sponsor for them. But it, but it always has that sense of like just an entertainment almost. Right. You know? How, what can we uh, – yeah, let's, let's try to uh, tame the beast. Right. Right. And see what he does. How, how is he going to entertain me? So they yeah. would bring Peter out to like dinners with the king. And uh, Newton notes that Peter was placed with a napkin tied to his throat at the table to see how he would eat. Uh, he had no notion of behavior or manners, but greedily took with his hands out of the dishes. Uh, he loved asparagus. And, uh, and Who then doesn't? The, other, <laughs> the other thing he would do, he would always pickpocket, you know, because he was always... He would always try to take things from people. But, it, but again, this is this is like, to me, doesn't sound like real science going on. This sounds no. like just an entertainment for, yeah, for somebody. This is a, this is a carnival. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and then, you know, eventually he he grew up. I mean, the, the George I died. And then people kind of got bored with Peter. Mm-hmm. He kind of like fell out of the, uh, the public eye. And he was placed with a farmer outside of London and he lived until 1785. So he was like in his sixties when he died. Um, But he, he, he never spoke his entire life. Um, They said that you could give him little jobs to do, but if, you know, if you didn't stay right with him, then he would turn around and undo the little job that you had given him to do. Um, So again, to me, it, it, it always sounds like this is a cognitive yeah. Cognitive issue. Yeah. Um, and then we come to, in 1797, they, a, a, a wild boy was captured in France, in the Ave, Aveyron area of France. And he was called the wild boy of Aveyron. And uh, he was seen out in the woods, again, naked, running around. Uh, they captured him. They tried to lock him up. He escaped and was loose again for like 15 months. And then they captured <laughs> him again. He escaped again. Wow. Yeah. And then in 1800, they finally caught him. And, you know, he was like four and a half feet tall, naked, covered in scars, had a scar on his neck that people thought maybe somebody had tried to kill him. Hmm. Um, He walked with an uneven gait. Uh, And at the time, people said he seemed like he was more animal than human at the time. Huh. And he was he was sent to Paris for medical inspection. And the doctors who who reviewed him and this was interesting to me the doctors at the time even thought that he was he wasn't a wild man like a separate species like there were even doctors at the time who were saying he he's a, a human with severe mental disabilities uh-huh. yeah 
but yeah. again, the story of being a wild man was already uh-huh. in the public eye at that point. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, there was uh, people responded how he didn't seem to have like normal emotions. He didn't really respond to people. He was, Yes. Uh, and again, with the idea of being in the 1700s of like people to be a noble person, you were supposed to um, show generosity, show compassion for other people. Right. They said he had no sense of compassion, no sense of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so again, it, it's seeming to me that this is someone with, it's not a philosophical yeah. problem. This is no. actually a human being with, with issues, you know? Yes. That maybe was abandoned because of those issues. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so there's, there was a doctor, Itar, at the time who, who decided that he was going to tutor uh, the wild boy of Aveyron. And I think Jean-Luc Godard has actually done a, a, a movie on that about wow. their their well, interaction. This sounds to me like you know Pygmalion, like it, 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 you yeah. know, uh, yeah, it, the idea of taking somebody and raising them up, right, uh, right, Elephant Man, uh, yeah, or probably the most notable uh, would be Helen Keller, right, you exactly. know. You know, because exactly. she was just this wild, and it it wasn't it, it, there was she just couldn't communicate. She'd just never been, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. And then she goes no, on I mean, to be this amazing person. Apparently, I know, I know, yeah. And uh, Itar apparently, Candlin says that Itar's first aim was to convince Victor that a social existence was much more pleasant than a life lived amongst the rigors and loneliness of the forest. Yeah. So again, he was going to try to convince him of like, stay with humans, stay here, yeah. don't go. Why is don't go this back. better? And the and the and the wild kid is like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Itar says that you know Victor's activities, he says, were of four kinds: sleeping, eating, doing nothing, and running about. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually sounds pretty good to me. It sounds and like I, my oh, day. I know, yeah. I know. Uh, Itar eventually gave him the name Victor because, or Victor, because oh, oh, oh was the only sound that he would respond to, that he would look around to. So he tried really? to come up with a name that was, uh, that was, would use oh. So he came up with the name Victor, you know. Oh, so, okay. What about just calling uh, him <laughs> OP? Yeah. Oh, or just call oh, him oh. O. O O. Otto. 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 Oh no. Yeah. I don't uh, know. But anyway, uh Itar like worked with him for like five or six years or something. And eventually uh he just gave up. Even Itar gave up. Wow. Uh, but he did write a book about the experience, of course. Uh and he concluded in his book that Victor's years in the wild would leave him forever unable to use language and only incompletely socialized. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Nancy Youssef says the difference between Nitar's conclusions in 1801 and 1807 cannot be overstated. In 1801, just a few months after Victor was caught, uh, he he was seen as like a representative of man in a pure and natural state. Mm. So in 1801, they were still thinking that like, okay, we can, mm-hmm. this is Rousseau's natural man. We're going to see what, what the pure mind is. And then she says in 1807, Victor can no longer be seen as such for he has been introduced to the society of others, ministered to, educated, 
And yet he has also made no substantial progress mm. beyond his initial condition. Mm. So in 1807, they realize there's something else going on with this and we, he can't advance beyond what we've already tried to give him. Yeah. And so that's why in the poor kid. Like, yeah. That's why as you read all of these stories, it's just tragic. It's tragic yeah. with it because, um, you know, doctors eventually in the 1800s started to, to look at these as like more like a cognitive problem, mm -hmm. behavioral problem or a linguistic problem. Um, and there's an also abandonment issue, you know, parents just who couldn't handle it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's probably not that they grew up on their own or like you're saying that probably the parents didn't know what to do with it. So they abandoned yeah. the children out. Yeah. And uh, McNeil, Polloway and Smith also note that there's a critical period for learning language at the beginning of a child's life. And if the child doesn't learn language in those first few years of, of life, they probably never will. You know, or like not completely. Um, so again, kind of beginning to sum up is all of these mythological and fantastic stories about children being raised by animals or raised on their own or growing up on their own. Uh, they were probably just due to severe developmental yeah. issues. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and uh, parents who just couldn't handle it, and, you know. Right, right. And you and, look uh, at parents of autistic children who are severely autistic, and it's amazing, you know, because it's, you know, it's, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Those are and, amazing and just, people. And so Bruno, Bruno Bettelheim, who's also a psychologist, uh, he wrote an article in 1959 called Feral Children and Autistic Children. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that it, it, that was his argument was that a yeah. lot of these uh, feral children from history were actually autistic children. Yeah. And, uh, sure but sounds he also, like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's <clears throat> cognitive to me, it's not obviously not a separate species, but obviously, <laughs> um, yeah. cognitive and developmental problems going on. Uh, but Brudelheim says when, when he talked about, um, feral children in the past he said feral children seem to be produced not when wolves behave like mothers but when mothers behave like non-humans mm -hmm. and so his argument was like this abandonment or like severe abuse of children when you're very young uh would would lead to some of these uh cognitive problems blame it on the it. mother blame it on the mother <laughs> well, well i think he, you know frenchies yeah. here we go <laughs> And he says the conclusion tentatively forced on us is that while there are no feral children, there are some very rare examples of human beings who become feral to one of their children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's more complex than that, isn't it? I mean, it's also like you, you're bro, you, you're poor, you have no support, your husband, yeah. you know, I mean, Jesus, I, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it, but I agree. It, it, it's, these kids aren't raised by wolves. They're, Right. They're abandoned by by parents who weren't capable. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Well, I wasn't Man. meaning to end, end on such a downer, but I, I think it's fascinating, isn't it? It I is. Mean, to, God, to it think is. about it. So Yes. And it yeah, and, and the connection to this idea that we have to find our 
hairy side, you know, the the yeah, yeah. the side of us that we have to, you know, you know, it, like it's such a it's such a deep rooted story for us. Yeah, the yeah. call of the wild, like all of the, you know, these these uh, ideas of of returning to our better selves that yeah, are somehow yeah. connected to nature because yeah. we're just there is no we are not that we are we're like we're like in in we're 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 astronauts you know we've we've built this artifice where we're just walking yeah. around in spacesuits now you know yeah. we're just yeah. we're, we're totally not natural there's nothing natural about us yeah uh, you yeah. know we we go to we go to the woods like we're going to an, a museum you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we, we've been going out like taking our tent and our generators and everything yeah. is like returning to a natural state you know <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah i think you're right i think it's we still hold on to that we still yeah. think that somehow civilization it's corrupted us and we need to get back to nature and and i think you still find it with people yes. with like you know because because and, and i think the hard truth is there is no going back it's yeah. it's too late yeah. Pretty, you know, we we blew it. That's over. Yeah, we're yeah. now this other weird species that is yeah. disconnected from everything that is natural. Yeah, driving around. I got our news cars. for you. You should have done that sixty thousand years ago. You know, yeah. you should have gone off the grid yeah. then. It doing, all so. comes back to the you you know two thousand and one <laughs> with the bones. You know, he that right. That, that prehistoric man picked up a bone <laughs> and hit another ape with it, and there, here we are. God damn it. All right, John. Well, I hope uh, we've learned something. Maybe you'll think of people will think about all of this when you're watching uh, The Jungle Book or <laughs> Tarzan next time about what actually goes on. Um, I got to go back and check out some Tarzan. That's that. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. The TV show was so hilarious. Or go see the musical. Go see Phil Collins' musical about oh, I'm not a Phil Collins fan. <laughs> I, I never was. I, I liked uh, his one album. What was it? Face Value or something like that. That was like one album I really liked. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Was that his early one after they broke up? After a Genesis I, I broke up? I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. He still He's had really a little into bit his, of the... Yeah. <laughs> He's really into his own face. You know what I mean? It's like all of his <laughs> albums have pictures of his own face. Yeah, yeah. We should do an episode on that sometime. Yeah. yeah. The face. What the face means. Narcissism. <laughs> Love of self. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This is uh, Human Number One signing off. I just want and, to thank you for joining us. And Human Number Two, thanks for listening, everybody. Signing off. And if you uh, found this uh, podcast interesting, please tell a friend about it. And uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And be nice to your kids. Be nice to your kids yeah. and your animals. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Love, Love you guys. You. Love you, John. Bye. Bye.